as we sort of turn our mind toward Easter, uh, you can see we have crosses here. And uh, we're going to be talking about, in the next four or five weeks, we're going to be talking about the cross. We're going to be talking about Jesus' death. And we're going to be sort of centering uh, our, all our conversation on who Jesus was, uh, what his death meant, uh, and, and why we celebrate this time of year. So I don't know if you uh, realize or not, you can go through the mall, you can go on the website. Uh, we, we are a society that uses symbols quite often. We have a lot of symbols for things, or maybe we call them logos. But basically what a symbol is, is it's an image that stands for something else. It might not be what the picture is, but the picture communicates something. So let me give you some examples this morning uh, that, that uh, will show you what we have in our society. So take a look at the first symbol. Uh, anybody know what that stands for? McDonald's. By the way, did you know colors are used in marketing? Red means emergency and yellow means cheap. It does. Red means starving, urgent, come eat fast, and yellow means it's cheap, come get it. Oh, McDonald's. All right, let's look at another one. All right, Apple, right? Everybody knows, everybody knows the Apple icon, surely. How many of you are Apple people? How many of you are Apple people? Whoa, whoa. Where are the Microsoft people? Anybody left? Four of you. Incredible. That's awesome. I just felt so behind because I got Microsoft. All right, uh, look at the next one. Now, what is this? Yes. What's the slogan? Just do it. All right. Now look at this one. What's this mean? Yes. How many superhero junkies we got in the room? Man, I'm all in. I am like all in. When like a really new good superhero movie comes out, I cry. It's, it's, it's a moving experience for me. I love it. Batman. So this symbol basically says, Batman, get over here because we got a problem that only Batman can solve, right? All right. What's this one? Yes. Any of you like the Olympics? Love to watch. Summer or winter? Okay. All right, both. Well, I'm summer. All right, check this one out. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of uh, uh, intense right now, isn't it? Huh? And if this symbol, if, these, if what this symbolizes doesn't work itself out very soon, let me show you the next logo. We're going to have none of this. <laughs> it's a symbol for peace. Uh, and hopefully, depending on who's elected, we don't have any of this. Right? So, uh, symbols mean something, right? Let me show you one more. What is this? It's the cross. The cross is the symbol of Christianity, but why is it the symbol of Christianity? It hasn't always been. Uh, in fact, early on, uh, Christians avoided it because at the beginning, people made fun of the cross. Because the, the common thinking was, what kind of God would die on a cross? What kind of God would be worthy of being served if he died on a cross? I mean, he can't be very powerful, he can't be very strong... You think about the setting that Jesus walked the earth and died in was the setting where Greek mythology, Greek these powerful mythological Greek gods and Greek creatures with uh, uh, incredible power were, were believed to be real and believed to be true. It seems ridiculous that anybody would worship a god that was executed. It's hard for us to understand that because we look at the whole thing looking backwards. Execution 
on the cross was a criminal's death. And it would be incredibly embarrassing if you had a family member that was executed on the cross. It would be like having a family member that was uh, sent to the electric chair. And, 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 and when you told people that, but you, it'd be like saying, hey, that was the best relative we had. Can you imagine? He's the greatest guy in our whole family, the one that was executed by electric chair. How bad do you have to be to be executed? Well, this is the kind of stigma that was attached to it. And uh, crucifixion was most likely invented by barbarians living out on the edge of the known world. And it was probably the most cruel method of execution uh, ever practiced. It was designed to make a person suffer as long as possible until they finally died. So when the Romans adopted it, there were only three reasons that the Romans would ever execute anybody. One was if a person was a murderer, if they were a rebellion of the state, or if they uh, committed armed robbery, and then they would only execute people who weren't Roman citizens. If you were a slave, if you were a foreigner, if you were, if you were whatever, but if you're a Roman citizen, it doesn't matter what you did wrong, they're never going to execute you by, by crucifixion. Because it was considered to be too bad. During the first few centuries, persecution was so violent, Christians would use symbols to communicate uh, who, who each other were by, by leaving them. But only insiders would understand. So maybe you've seen the fish. The little fish people put on their back of their car. There was a time period that that was used to communicate, hey, Christians are near the, in, in the area. Christians are here. Peacocks were used sometimes. Doves were used. But the point was only insiders would understand what they meant. Somewhere during the second century, Christians chose the cross to be our symbol. And in their mind, it was the one symbol that was central to our faith. So think about all the things that the early Christians passed over before they chose the cross. They passed over anything that would represent Jesus' birth, his youth, his teaching, his service, his miracles, and they chose his death. So from at least the second century on your onward, uh, they drew and they painted and they engraved crosses uh, in, in oftentimes hidden places to symbolize their faith. Sometimes early Christians would even paint crosses on their body, on themselves. This was a symbol of their faith. And because they suffered such incredible persecution, they identified with Jesus' suffering. And so they, they adopted the cross in that way. So for 18 or 1900 years now, the cross has stood at the center, the center symbol of the Christian faith. Now, I think the reason that it's endured and the reason that Christians eventually adopted it, or early on adopted it, was because the cross was at the center of Jesus' life. Think about it. Jesus came to the earth and his primary purpose was to die. Mark chapter 10 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So, so Jesus' number one purpose wasn't to come to earth to teach. It wasn't to come to earth to do miracles, to be a good example to, to show people the right way. His greatest purpose was to die. And if he did all the other stuff, if he did miracles, if he taught, if he was a good example, but never died, never died on the cross, never died by execution, never died at the hands of his enemies, we'd be in the same dilemma that we are now. His teaching doesn't save you. His miracles don't save you. His examples don't save you. His death saves you. 
And now that's why Christianity can't mix with any other religion because no other religion requires its God to die. But Christianity requires its God to die. Somebody had to die. Salvation had to come to the earth from God's death. P.T. Forsyth said this, You do not understand Jesus until you understand the cross. If you don't understand the cross... You can't understand Jesus because they're inseparable. So in this series, we're just saying the cross equals what? What does the cross mean? Well, I'm going to give you five things in the next five weeks. We're going to talk about one a week. The cross equals a new mind. The cross equals a new identity. The cross equals a new family. The cross equals on Sunday morning a new you. The cross equals a new future. So this morning, if you have something to write with, we're going to start by saying the cross equals a new mind. Now, we've been talking about renewal for many months in our church and how the Holy Spirit is working to do renewal in our life. Where does the power for renewal come from? The power for my life and yours to be spiritually renewed comes from Jesus' death. Jesus' death provided the sacrifice and the power that rose him from the dead, that same power gives us the ability to live in spiritual life and renewal, to be spiritually alive. But renewal is unsustainable if your mind's not renewed. So watch this. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. The cross equals a new mind. Trust me. Come to church as long as you want. Experience God as much as you want. Go to every event that you want to. Do everything you want to do until your mind is renewed. Your renewal is unsustainable. It will pop up and die. It will grow and die. It will rise and fall because you'll be living on the experience of the moment and you'll be changing from the outside, but you won't be changing from the inside. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is a new mind is what renewal fundamentally is about. So the cross is where Jesus got a handle on all the broken, broken thinking that we have and he gave us the power to have a new mind. So what does that mean to you and I this morning? I got good news for you. You are not bound to the thoughts of your childhood. You are not limited by the memories and experiences of your past. You're not limited by your childhood, by your experiences, by your level of education. The cross gives us the ability, this is a very important thought, I wish I had more time to unpack it. The cross gives you and I the ability to think new thoughts. We have the power to think things we've never thought before. To think new ways, to think new patterns, to think, think new ideas, to have imagination, to have faith, to have dreams, to have vision, to have purpose, to have ideas. The cross gives us that power. It gives us the ability to think not just new thoughts, but pure thoughts and God's thoughts. Do you know the, what the word, the Greek word repentance means? Changing of the mind. When I repent is when my mind has been changed. My mind has changed. So what does the old mind look like? Romans chapter 1, let's back up for a minute and, and look at the old mind. Romans chapter 1 gives us a great example of the old mind. I want you to notice when we read this how many times you see the word uh, thinking or thoughts or has something to do with the mind. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Look at this. But their what? Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were dark, darkened. Although they claimed to be what? 
Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of, a, of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think, that's where the problem is, it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to what? A depraved mind. God gave them over to a depraved mind. What does a depraved mind look like? So that they do what ought not to be done. What is that? They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no what? They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Where does all that kind of evil and darkness begin? It begins in the mind. That's where it starts. Now, what you just saw was the picture of a mind with none of God's influence. When you take all of God's influence away from the human mind, that's what you get. Now, now, now maybe you say, uh, my, my thinking was never that bad. <laughs> I lived unsafe for a long time, and my thinking was never that bad. No, it, it probably wasn't that bad because you had some influence of God on your mind, but your mind was headed that direction, and so was mine. This dark and broken thinking is why Jesus died. Think about that for a minute. Jesus died to change your mind. But if you're a Christian, you're saying, Yay, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, so I have a new mind. So my mind's nothing like that. Sort of. <laughs> sort of-ish. <laughs> I wa- I wanna, if, you're, if you're writing things down, you might want to write this down. Your mind's, if you're a Christian, your mind's potential has changed, but not the pattern. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, the power of Jesus' death enters your life and changes your mind's potential, but not its patterns. So let me give you three thoughts this morning. Let me just give you three key thoughts to the new mind that Jesus has given you from the cross. Number one, your mind is your responsibility. Your mind is your responsibility. You can study the whole Bible, you can study what God says about the thought life, and you can boil it all down in a big pot, and it's basically going to equal this. God changed your soul, your mind is your responsibility. He will give you the tools, he'll give you the power, he'll, give, he'll surround you, he'll give you the teaching, he'll give you the thoughts, he'll give you every resource under the sun that you possibly need, but if you apply it or not is up to you. Your mind is your responsibility. See, God's not into mind control. He's into mind renewal. He will give you everything you need to change your mind, but you have to change it. Ephesians 4.22 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Watch this. To be made new, where? In the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, look, when you and I become Christians, we become a new person. We have new potential. But we have old patterns. And those patterns have to be changed because they are in conflict with the new mind. When you are born again, when you become a believer, when you become a Christian, one of the 
issues that you've got, you're saved, you're forgiven, you're going to heaven. But one of the issues you've got is now you have an internal conflict. The old man is fighting with the new one. (laughs) Or the old woman is fighting with the new woman. The old person's fighting with the new person. The old way of life, the old patterns, the old thoughts, the old experiences, the old pain, the old belief system is in conflict with the new one. And you will only decide who wins that battle by which one you focus on. Renewal of the mind. Satan's greatest weapon is the old life, is the old thought patterns. It's the greatest open door to temptation and discouragement and distraction. I guarantee you every time you've experienced discouragement as a Christian, it is because you have begun to entertain the old thoughts. You begin to entertain the old thought patterns. You begin to drink from that old well again. And, and 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 it discourages you. So there's basically two ways to deal with the mind. What you put in it and what you keep out. Right? What you put in it and what you keep out. Now, I'm just going to state this morning, I think what you put in it is more important than what you keep out of it. Because if you keep putting the right things in it, it'll give you the strength to keep the wrong things out of it. This is why legalistic Christianity never works. You you ask a person, are you a good Christian? And they say, yes. How do you know? What's the answer to that? What's the answer to how do you know you're a good Christian? How do you answer that? Most people answer it like this. They start giving you their don't list. Well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do the other, and I used to do that, but I stopped, and I used to do this, but I quit, and I gave up this habit, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't. You know, here's the thing about that. That might spare you some trouble in life, but there's no life in not. There's no life in don't. There's no renewal in don't do this. What if we measured Christianity not by what we didn't do, but we measured it by renewal and transformation and newness and a renewed mind? And what if we measured it by our thought life? In other words, what if this morning God took some heavenly technology and and blew your thoughts up that were in your brain and put them up on the big screen? And we could sit and watch all your thoughts in real time. There they go. What if we could do that? What would that look like? Now, I'm going to suggest that that's a better measurement of, of, the, of the power of your Christianity than what you didn't do. By what's going through your mind, by the renewal, by the newness, by the new thinking. Renewal doesn't come from what you keep out. Renewal comes from what you put in. I can remember as a young Christian, and when I mean young Christian, I don't mean I'd been saved six months. I mean I'd been saved for several years, and I'd gone through Bible college. I'd gone through four years of theology and Bible instruction, and I was in ministry, youth pastoring. And I, and I can remember uh, uh, the battle that was in my mind. I can remember the, the things that I would struggle thinking about that I'd say, how do I, how do I not think that thought? How do I stop doing that? Look, let me give you a a clue. Most of our Christianity early on is too external, and we work on what's outside that people can see and not what's inside that people can't see. So as we travel along this road, we become more sophisticated in hiding. We learn not to say everything we think. But that's not even the issue. Now, thank God, spare us all. 
We appreciate it. You don't say everything you think. But that's not the deal. The deal's not how do you learn how not to say everything you think. The deal is how do you learn to change what you think. That's the deal. That's the inner struggle. That's the deeper reality. And I can remember struggling as a young Christian saying, how do I change this thought? How do I change that thought? So much discouragement, so much distraction, so much temptation, so much brokenness is an overflow of our, of our bad thinking, of the old thought life. How do I stop thinking this? And I can tell you what I learned. It wasn't willpower. It wasn't determination. What it was is I had to change what I was putting in. I had to put in God's thoughts and God's word and God's ideas and my mind was renewed. So Romans 12, this is the central verse in all the scripture in my opinion on how God, God's power touches the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We're going to unpack that part in just a minute. Do not conform any longer. Here it is. Potentials change, but the pattern has it. Do not conform any longer to what? To the pattern of the world. Who's Romans written to? Christians or non-Christians? Christians. Do not conform any longer to the pattern. The, pat the potential has changed. The pattern has not. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It will make you wise. It will give you discernment. <laughs> Basically, that's what that says. So do not conform. Let, let me tell you how I understand do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. What's the pattern of the world? Do not conform your mind to things that change. What changes? Entertainment changes. Popularity changes. Trends change. Fad changes. Morality in our world changes. Values change. Those things change. Taste and decorations and preferences and who's popular and new things to do. All those things change and all those things are outward. And what Romans is telling us here, don't conform your thought life to those. Anchor your brain into something that will not change. Anchor your mind into something that will never, it won't conform to you, you'll conform to it. Be transformed from within by a new way of thinking in your inner life, in your soul, in your character. The new mind thinks different thoughts than the old mind. Do you know this word, uh, be transformed? It's a powerful word. If you know this reference, this will mean a lot to you. There was a day that Jesus took his three closest disciples up onto a hill, and he basically said, I want to show you who I really am. And it's called the mountain of transfiguration. That's what we call it. Because Jesus basically, I don't, I don't even know how to understand this, but I can explain it to you from the Greek. He somehow unzipped his human suit and opened himself up, and they got a revelation of God that nobody on earth has ever had. And they got to see God's glory in an in a inhuman way, in a spiritual way. And when Jesus changed in front of their eyes from that human part of himself to that glorious, eternal, godly part of himself and showed himself to those three disciples that way, the word for that is transfigured, and it's the exact 
same Greek word that you find in Romans 12 that says, don't be conformed, but be transfigured from within. Be transformed from within. Become something different on the inside. Become something new inside your inner life. So here's the second thought. The best way to break an old pattern is to start a new one. Uh, if you, you ever have something stuck in your eye and it just, it just worries you to death, just painful, something stuck there in your eye, there's basically two ways to get it out. Either you can like, try to find something that won't puncture your eye too bad, and you can try to dig it out. <laughs> you know, you're not letting anybody help you with that. You're, anybody's going to touch my eye lens, it's going to be me, right? I'm going to dig it something out. Or you can just wash it out with eye drops or water, and you can try to flood it. And to wash it out. Now here's what I'm just going to say to you this morning. The best way to break an old pattern is to start a new one. It's much easier to flush something out than it is to pick it out. And so if you've got old patterns and old ways of thinking, start new patterns and overwhelm that old thinking with God's word and God's ways and God's thoughts. And you you will have a renewal that will wash over your mind. The Greek word for worship in this verse when it says, this is your spiritual act of worship, it basically means that thing that a person gives their entire life to. That thing that a person gives their entire life to. It's a person's consuming passion. Don't, don't be, uh, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of that thing that you give your whole life to. That's what worship means there. So real worship is just this. It's the act of offering everyday life to God. Offering everyday life to God. So watch this. If I'm going to be transformed from within in my thinking, how's that going to look? I'm going to have to find a way to walk with Jesus daily. Regularly. Not just on Sunday. Not just at church. How do I apply the power of Jesus' death to my mind. I have to pursue him. He has to become the thing that I pursue him, I pursue with my whole life. And then I will find renewal. And if you look at the rest of that chapter in Romans, it's very interesting because he says, if you serve, if you lead, if you are administrative, if you have hospitality, if you if you are a giver, then do those things with diligence. Offer those strengths of your life On a daily basis, it comes out of the same verse, to God. Too many times we look for, you know, the moment. We look for the external motivation. We look for the splash, the experience, the the church service, the, the, the exception. And we wrongly think, when this happens, then I'll live the life God intended. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? When my kids get out of school, when this circumstance changes, when this happens in my life, then... I'll live the Christian life I've always wanted to. It's a deferment. It's a delay. It's a when this day comes and we're waiting for the exception, we've got to find a way to find renewal in daily living in the routine. Here, here, uh, let me say it this way if you want to write this down. You take care of the days and God will take care of the years. We spend so much of our life fretting, worrying about the years What's going to happen this year? What's going to happen five years from now? Where will this lead me? And all of this uh, future anxiety is rushed into the present. And we live off this fear of things we can't control today anyway. 
And, and, and what God's invitation to us is, seek me today. But I've got to seek you every day. Not today. Just seek me today. Today. <laughs> you don't have to try to become resolute and determined. And I'm going to seek Jesus every day. Don't seek Jesus every day today. Only live one day at a time. Just pursue him today. And tomorrow, you can decide what to do tomorrow. What's the new pattern in the daily renewal? It's pursuing God as a lifestyle. Our minds have to continually be renewed. And sometimes that newness comes from a new insight. Sometimes it comes from deeper insight, from things we already knew but we know in a deeper way. Sometimes it comes in a new passion. Sometimes newness comes with a deeper commitment. Sometimes it comes through a relationship of a Christian friend that just challenges us in a new way. But that river keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. Look, a a pond becomes a puddle. A river becomes an ocean. If I'm looking for the experience, if I'm looking for the moment, if I'm looking for the thing that's going to change me forever and I never have to pursue God again, that's a pond that's going to shrink to a puddle. But if I'm looking for daily renewal, if I'm looking to pursue God on a daily basis, if I'm looking to wash my mind over with His thoughts on a regular basis, that becomes a river that turns into an ocean. And it will feed my life and make me new. Here's the the final thought. To keep a new mind, you have to keep introducing God thoughts. You have to keep introducing God thoughts. How do you do that? You do that through devotions. You do that through reading the Bible. You do that through praying. And look, prayer doesn't have to be, gosh, I spent way too long in my life trying to figure out the right way to pray and the right way to read the Bible and the best way because I knew it was very, very important and I wanted to get the best out of it. Like I I went, okay, this is my relationship with God. (laughs) This is the Bible. This is, the, this is prayer. I cannot goof these up. Right? Because this is God. Like, this is God. Like, I got to do really good in this space. And, and, and if I'm honest with you, it drove me, well, crazy. <laughs> Nuts. There's not a wrong way to read the Bible. There, there's not many wrong translations. There might be a couple. There's not many wrong. Look. Meet with God and trust that He's going to, like He longs for you to be there. He loves you. And when you meet with Him, meet with Him with the faith that one, you are unconditionally loved. Two, that He's going to grow you because you showed up, not because you did it right. Just show up. Just just show up, just be there. Let me give you a, 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 a mind test this morning. I'm going to give you a test. You ready? Everybody just panicked. Be passing out the Scantrons. You can pencil it. It'll be like the ACT. I'm going to give you a mind test. This will help you determine how renewed your mind is. Simple test. One question. What is God teaching you now? What is God teaching you now? What is it? It might take a minute. You go, I haven't thought about it like that. It might take a minute. It might take you a few minutes to kind of dig down deep and say, what is God teaching me now? That's the picture of a renewed mind. 
God is always teaching us something. It might be the same thought for months. It doesn't have to be a new thought every day. Man, I've had seasons of my life where God taught me one thing. Just deeper and deeper, but it became so rich and so deep and so powerful for me. It might be something new every week. It might be, it's not a, it's not a, you don't measure it academically. But if I asked you this morning, what is God teaching you right now? In this season, in this moment, in this week, in this month, in this stage of life that you're in, what is He teaching you? And, and, it, and if you can't eventually come up with it, then you're struggling with the old thought life. The old patterns. Your operating, your operating system is Apple or Microsoft. It's one or the other. It can't be both. It's either the old, the old way or the new. And so if there's not some sense of renewal inside, you're struggling. You know, I found... I, 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 I want to wrap up here. And I just wanted to say this to you because... I've watched this mistake in my own life and I've watched it in other people's lives in relation to the times we live in. We live in such busy, hectic, stressed, burnout, on the edge, work, 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 work. The demands on our life feel to me unprecedented. The speed of our culture just chews people up and spits them out. The demands. And and I just wanted to say this to you because I think the Holy Spirit gave me this and I think there's a legitimate difference that we need to be aware of. We too often mistake emotional renewal for spiritual renewal. Because we're tired, because we go hard, because we push, because the way our society works. So man, we get we're living on the edge of burnout too many times and we say man I need a I need a day off you you may need a day off we all need days off but we say I need to get away I need to go on vacation I need to go to the big game I need to I need to get outside I need to go do something fun I need to whatever and if you're not careful you mistake emotional renewal for spiritual renewal you may get away, you may rest, you may go do something fun, and it, and it will renew you emotionally. It will. It's good. You need it. I need it. It's nice. Don't ignore the emotional part of your life. Just don't mistake it for spiritual renewal. You can get rest. You can get relief. You can get vacation. You can get a, a new toy. You can get a new hobby. You can get a new fun thing. You can get involved in sports. I mean, I mean, you can follow your favorite team. You can go to the game. You can go to your kids' games. You can become a coach. You can invest and invest and invest and invest. And in the end, you might only have two things. You might have better skills in that sport and emotional renewal. But it is not spiritual renewal. There is no spiritual life in it. Not to ignore it. Just don't confuse it. Spiritual renewal comes from the presence and the person and the power of God. Spiritual renewal comes when my mind is flooded with His thoughts. 
Spiritual renewal comes when my way of thinking begins to be transformed into His way of thinking. When I begin to think like God thinks. Look, if you want to act the way Jesus acted, if you want to do what Jesus did, if you want to say what Jesus said, you got to think how Jesus thought. That's where it all comes from. And so this morning, I just want to pray with you. And what this whole series is about is what does the cross mean and how do I apply the power of the cross to my life? So if you'll stand with me this morning, prayer team, if you'll come. If you could just get to a place where you're still. I want to pray with you. And here's how I want to pray with you today. Some of you are battling fear in your mind. How are you going to overcome that fear? It's not going to be because you're going to try harder. (laughs) It's going to be because you embrace God's thinking. It's going to be because you begin to see that thing you're afraid of through God's eyes and not your own. It's because you're going to begin to claim the scripture over your life. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. It's going to be because you begin to say, perfect love drives away all fear. With every eye closed this morning, if you're here today and you're battling fear or worry or tempting thoughts, or maybe today you you say, there's a struggle between my old thought life and my new one, and you say, today I need to surrender my thought life I need to surrender my thought life maybe you're here today and you say you know what when you ask the question what is God teaching me the truth is I don't know and today God's invitation to you is to open your mind that he might teach you to open your mind that he might renew you with nobody looking around today if you're here and you say I'm battling with fear I'm battling with worry I'm battling with temptation I'm battling with distraction I'm battling in my mind I can think of nothing that God has teached me would you lift your hand and say would you just pray for me today would you pray for me today I need prayer today I want my mind just lift your hand lift your hand yeah I want my mind to be new today I want my mind to be renewed today can I tell you we sang it and we've prayed it and we've said it. Jesus has come here today to do a work of renewal. He has come to do a renewing work in our soul and in our mind. If you lifted your hand this morning, I'm going to pray. When I do, I want you to come and let the prayer team agree with you. I, want, I just want you to let the prayer team agree with you. They're simply just going to agree with whatever you say. I need, I need help. I need to overcome this. I need God's help in my mind. I need God's help in this thinking. I'm battling fear. I'm battling this. Maybe you want to come and say, I'm opening my mind today. I want to ask Jesus to teach me. I'm just going to open my mind to his thoughts. Lord, this morning I love you and I thank you for your presence and the power of your word and the power of your death and the power of your resurrection that has given us all the power we need to overcome. So this morning we open ourselves to meet you in Jesus' name. As the worship team begins to sing, I want you to come right now, and I just want you to to stand in agreement.